You are listening to the Teen Anxiety Maze, and I'm your host, Cynthia Koffel. Imagine a world where the teenage years are less like a maze of anxiety and more like a thrilling ride of self-discovery. I'm here to help teens, parents, and everyone in between grow and learn about themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm so glad you're joining us today for this wonderful Women's Summit. And my talk today is about navigating the anxiety maze, how to talk to your teen about anxiety. And even if you don't have a teen, you probably know a young person that you're worried about or know someone in your family who has a teen so you can share this information with them. All people, all humans have anxiety. So having anxiety is not necessarily a red flag because we all are going to experience it at some point. But sometimes we don't know the difference between, you know, is this just normal behavior for a teenager? And when should I be concerned? And when should I be talking to my doctor about it? So we're going to talk about that today. And also just ways to help your teen and how to talk to your teen about it. So when I started, when I decided to be the teen anxiety coach, I, it was weird, but I hadn't thought about all the experience I had in my own life about anxiety and how I didn't realize what was anxiety. So my daughter pretty early on in elementary school started throwing up every day before school and she didn't have a fever and she wasn't really sick. And so I just kept sending her to school. Now, of course, I would ask her, you know, hey, what's going on? Is, you know, is anything going on at at school? And I'm a mental health professional. I have been a school counselor her whole life. So I knew to ask those kind of questions, but people weren't talking about anxiety in the, this would have been in the 90s. People weren't saying that kids had anxiety or were talking about that stuff. So I just kept thinking, well, she must be allergic to something or, you know, because she would say, yeah, there was some bullying going on and I knew about it and she was handling it um, in the best way. And I was letting the school know about it and her school counselor knew about it. So I felt like, well, I'm doing all that I need to do. And really just recently, I started thinking about when she was growing up, she would grind her teeth at night. Now, I'm not saying that if your child grinds their teeth at night, they have uh, diagnosable anxiety, but it, it was different. And people still to this day, when I talk to them about her grinding teeth, they had never experienced this before, but she ground her teeth so hard that she broke her molars, her big teeth, that they were baby teeth, but it was her big baby teeth. They were all, I think, all f- at least four of them, top and bottom, were cracked and broken. And so they put silver caps because, you know, that was going to cause some problems. And even though she was going to lose those baby teeth, they wanted to make sure that, you know, she didn't have any problems. So they put silver caps on her molars and she was still grinding her teeth and she actually ground through the silver caps. Now, when I think about this now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, why wouldn't I realize that was anxiety? But I didn't at the time and I, 
I give myself grace that it was because people weren't talking about it, but I also didn't want to believe that that's what was going on. And she was so outgoing. She was funny. She was bubbly. She was involved in things. She was doing all the stuff. And so I just thought, well, it can't be anxiety or she wouldn't be doing those things. Then we really didn't have too much trouble through high school with any of those things. But then when she first moved away to college, she started having panic attacks and I would go, I only lived 40 miles from her. So I would go and help talk her through the panic attacks. And I had to do that several different times. And then when she graduated from college and got her first job, she was telling me that she couldn't sleep at night because she was thinking about too many things. And all this time, I'm still thinking, well, just, you know, have a different mindset or think different things or don't worry about it or don't think about it. And she said, mom, I can't do that. It doesn't work for me. So she started going to a therapist and she got some medication and she started taking Lexapro and she told me, oh my gosh, I don't have to, you know, hear all those thoughts all the time. You know, they're there, but they're quiet and I can ignore them and I can sleep. And I was like, well, this is great. You should totally keep doing that. Then that all seemed to be okay for a while. And then she had a baby and the panic attacks came back almost immediately when she had the new baby. And, you know, everyone experiences, again, anxiety about having a new baby because you are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. But she, hers was extreme where she was just um, hysterical a lot of the time. So I was going over and again, she still just lives 40 minutes from me. So I was going and helping a lot and talking her through things on the phone. But one day she called me early in the morning and said, it might be better if I died. And I said, no, that is, you know, I'm going to just, you know, hold on. I'll be right there. I went over there. Um, her husband and I both stayed home that day with the baby. And we said, you have to go see your therapist today. You got to get new medication or more medication, or you got to talk through this. And so she did that. And I was asking her if she was okay. She said, I'm totally fine. And I said, okay. And I, because I want to believe that she's totally fine. I just take her at her word and things do seem better. So I'm like, okay, good. Phew. We're, you know, over that. Well, that was when, when she first started talking about dying, that was when he was about a month old. And then probably when he was about eight months old, I had a former student who died by suicide and it was during a postpartum time. And I was just devastated by it because I had talked to her recently too about, you know, you're doing a great job and I know there's, you know, a lot of stress and struggles when you have a new baby, but you're doing amazing. And her baby was about the same age as my grandson. And when I found out she died by suicide, I was like, I just couldn't believe it. And I, uh, my daughter is also a school counselor. So she and I share a lot about former students and telling each other stories about things that are going on. And I said, oh my gosh, I just found out about this person and she had a baby about you know, our baby's age and she died by suicide and I'm so sad about it. And, um, a, a probably, I mean, she sent me a neck, a, a message back saying, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Or that's terrible. But she didn't really say anything else. But about within that week, she called me and said, mom, 
I had my suicide planned. And luckily, her husband realized what was going on that day. He took the baby and said, you know, you've got to, you've got to get help. You've got to see someone again. You've got to talk and got it all worked out. And she, she is actually very much better now. I ask her a lot. Uh, He's two years old now. So, you know, time has gone by and she realizes, and now she wants to help others who experience the same thing. But the whole time I kept thinking, why didn't I know these things? But I think sometimes we're too close to what's going on. I think we don't want to believe that our child, you know, has anxiety or has suicide ideation. That's even scarier. And I don't, like I said, experience anxiety in the same way. And so sometimes I just don't understand it. So I know a lot of parents actually have anxiety as well. And a lot of my clients that I work with, uh, their parents will say, well, I, you know, have that too. Or, and so they have kind of a more of a connection and can see some of these things. But I still think when you're that close to it as a parent, sometimes it's hard to discern what is what and what you should do about it. So again, I talked about how anxiety is a natural emotion. Everyone has it and we can't get rid of it. It's not like we can just take some medicine and we never feel anxious again, or we can learn some new techniques to use and we never hear those thoughts or we never think those things anymore. We're always going to have some kind of this stuff like in our minds or in our bodies, but we can learn how to quiet that alarm system. So like when Haley said, well, when I take the medicine, I I can ignore the thoughts and I can still sleep, even though that stuff is still rumbling around. That's what I try to get my clients to the point where, yes, it's there, but they can still function with their day and they can still sleep and they can still uh, do the things that they're really wanting to do and not letting anxiety take things away from them, which is what it usually does. So here are some things that you should be looking for if you, you know, you're thinking, well, what should I, if should I be intervening in a different way? If your child is failing grades, now that Again, some of these things are a little bit teenager-ish, and if it's just once in a while or it's a little bit, if it's like failing an assignment, that's different than failing for the nine weeks or failing for a semester. So, you know, think about that. Uh, If they're wanting to miss school or they're missing school because they just can't get out of bed or they just can't make themselves go to do any of the things or they're missing activities that they used to enjoy doing, but now they're, they're avoiding them or not wanting to do do them or avoiding contact with others. Now, again, this is the tricky one because teenagers don't want to be around us very much and they want to be in their rooms and they want to maybe stay by themselves for lengths of time but they shouldn't be avoiding contact with everyone and they should have some times where they want to spend time with you. So one of the things um, that you can try first, if you're just like, I don't really know what to do first is check with your just general practitioner or your pediatrician. Now that's not your last step, but it could be a first step because sometimes there are physical reasons why people have anxiety and or depression. And I know that sounds a little bit strange and I still 
am fascinated how the human body works. But I had a student once that was so, it wasn't necessarily anxiety. It was more of the depression side, but they had a thyroid disorder and they didn't know it. And they just thought they were depressed. And when the parents took them to have like, you know, when you go to your general practitioner, your pediatrician, they'll maybe do some blood tests or different kinds of tests to see what physically could be going on. They would probably see a marker of a thyroid issue of some kind. This student had that. And actually, when they had that regulated, didn't even feel depressed anymore. Now, um, there, and there are other reasons why someone might uh, have some of these symptoms of anxiety. So certainly have that checked out. But, and even your doctor or pediatrician could prescribe medicine, medication, and that's fine as long as that's not the only thing you do. Please don't just get medication and do nothing else because medication only works fully if you are doing talk therapy of some kind or some kind of coaching or some other kind of group program for anxiety. There's all sorts of things you can do in addition to the medication, but don't just do medication and do nothing else. Okay. And like I said, I didn't have diagnosable anxiety where I was having to work through any of this stuff myself, but a lot of parents do. But I could share, sometimes I get anxious about things. Sometimes I have anxious thoughts. I have a lot of anxious thoughts about a lot of things. It's just not, I can regulate it and manage it in my own mind and in my own body without needing medication. But it's okay if they do or you do, but just share with them what what are your anxious thoughts about? How do you deal with them? What are some good tips and tricks you've already figured out for yourself? Or maybe you're not managing it well and you're just realizing, oh, I think this is my problem too. And then you can be honest about that and say, you know what? I haven't been dealing with mine either. So let's do this together. Or let's, you know, go to the doctor together or figure out how we can deal with this together. Spend quality time together. I would tell you this no matter what the topic of this um, presentation was about, because this is the cornerstone to everything as a parent. And even if you're like an educator in school um, or any time where you need to work with young people, the relationship is everything. Keep noticing my pictures over <laughs> other things. Um, this is a picture of my daughter and I doing fun things together. We both like to sing. And in this particular one, we were just playing Garage Band. And I, you know, don't know how to do all the things in Garage Band. Her and her husband have the whole setup, the singing, the the drums, the guitar, the all the things. And so I we were taking turns like doing the different parts of Garage Band. But do things that you enjoy together or even do things that your teen enjoys, even if you don't enjoy it very much, just because that's going to build the relationship. Because this anxiety is a very vulnerable and difficult topic to talk about for you and for them. And so, and and when you spend this quality time together, you don't have to be talking about anxiety yet during that time, just build that relationship with them so that it's fun and open and free so that they can talk 
about the difficult things when you need to. So this spending quality time together should be just all the time that you can imagine it. So that when you do have to talk about anxiety, or you need to go to the doctor, or you need to talk about therapy or whatever it is, there is already that freedom and that comfort and that openness to be able to have that conversation. But (laughs) don't push and let there be silence. When you first start bringing up anxiety as a topic, your teen might not be very open to it. And if your relationship is strained, where you have had a lot of difficulties in having conversations, they're not going to trust and believe you at first. They're going to think, well, this is just another time I'm going to get in trouble, or this is just another time that my parents are going to tell me stuff I don't want to hear about. So just keep opening up the conversation and just giving that freedom and that that peace and that openness and that safety that they need to feel in order to have the conversation. And then if they're not ready, allow that to happen. But just keep reminding them, hey, by the way, I'm still here and I'm noticing some stuff and I'd really like to talk to you about it. So let me know when you're feeling good to talk about it and just... um Keep being curious like an investigator. Well, investigator doesn't sound good. Like a scientist. Like you're trying to experiment and find out what's the best way to approach this. What's the best way to talk about it and ask them, you know, how, how do you want me to approach it? How, how would you like to talk about this? So you give them some agency and some power and control over what's going on because most teens feel like they don't have any power or control. And I thought I would offer <clears throat> some open-ended questions that could kind of help you get the ball rolling. So some of those could be, uh, how did your day go today? And do you know what's bothering you? Because sometimes they don't know. People are so used to feeling bad sometimes that they just get up and feel bad and they just feel bad all the time and they don't really know what it's about. And asking a second grader, you know, why, why do you throw up before school every day? What's going on? I don't think she even had the words to talk about what was going on. Sometimes our teens don't have the words. And you could ask them, have you tried anything already that has helped? And sometimes, and I, this conversation is not long enough to talk about Um, self-medicating, but a lot of teens will self-medicate. Alcohol and marijuana are two big ones because they do help them feel better, not for the right reasons, but they do get a release from being anxious all the time. And so if they happen to be open and honest and say, well, I've tried alcohol or marijuana and I feel better, you can, and this will be hard to do, but being just curious and open about, okay, well, what is it about it that makes you feel better? And maybe later in the conversation, you could talk about there are actually medications your doctor could prescribe that would help you feel the same way. Because what you're, the things that you're trying, you know, could get you in trouble. Taking medication from your doctor wouldn't get you in trouble if you were taking it appropriately. So um, what do you wish you could change about yourself in all of this? That's a very enlightening one. What makes you feel a little bit better about all of this? 
what are your options? And like, think about, you know, let them come up with the options and then you could sort of brainstorm each one. Uh, What would be one step forward here? Then can I talk to someone about this for you? And am I part of the problem? That's my actual favorite question, but probably the hardest as a parent. So I kind of want to open a little bit more about the am I part of the problem? Because I see very well-meaning, nice, good parents being part of the problem. And I'm, it's no judgment. I'm sure I was probably part of the problem many times, but you just need to be very open and calm no, and to, to hear and listen to anything they say to you. Because this is a fact-finding mission for you. You want to find out what is exactly going on. And if you are part of the problem, just allow that to be. And don't try to defend yourself. Because like I said, this sometimes is very well-meaning and loving and caring from your side. So you could say, well, I just meant it this way, or I just wanted this to happen, or I'm doing it from love. But just say, okay, tell me more about that. Um. Just listen, try to just maybe even take notes if you have to, to try to keep you, your feelings out of the situation. And if it is, you know, if there's some very hurtful things from the past, which sometimes is the case, you can always apologize for those things later after this conversation and say, you know, I really heard you and I listened and I'm so sorry for anything that I might have done to cause this. And if they have some ideas of what would make it better. And it's something that you could do. Try your hardest to do those things. One of this doesn't have to do with anxiety necessarily, but my daughter one time did tell me uh, that I was saying something to her that that was really hurtful to her. And I just immediately stopped doing that because even though I didn't think it was a big deal. She did. And that's the person that's important in this equation, not how we feel or what we think. Have your teen rate their anxiety from one to 10. Sometimes when they're not sure really how to talk about it, rating it can be helpful. So you can say on a, on a scale of one to 10 is the, is your anxiety be a one, which means that you hardly have any or a 10 that it's ruining your life. And that will kind of give you a gauge of how, how is this affecting them? And then you could even ask them on a scale of one to 10, how worried, upset, mad, scared, hurt, whatever, are you about this? And how is that compared to some other situation? And make sure you're managing your own anxiety. So you don't have to go to therapy with your child, um, but make sure that you're doing your own practices and your own medication and your own doctor visits and your own talk therapy, whatever it needs to be, if you're having problems with anxiety, so that you're just approaching your child and as the best version of yourself. And you're also being a role model, showing that this is how I manage my anxiety, and then you're also wanting them to manage theirs as well. And there are some ways that you can manage your anxiety together, which could be fun. So here's just some, just a few examples. Um, enjoy nature or your pet together. I know not everyone has a pet, though most people do have pets. So enjoying your pet together or, you know, 
offering that to them as a, as a way to deal with anxiety is perfect. If you don't have a pet, just going outside and taking even just a very short walk, being outside, being mindful, like talk about what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you're feeling, all of that stuff during that very short walk can be very helpful. Listening to music together. Now I know a lot of teens and their parents don't always like the same kind of music, but but listen to some of their music and talk about what it is they like about it. And maybe you can share some of yours. And even if they don't like it, you can talk about what you like about it. Make a grateful list. Think about what is good about your lives. What's good about their life? What's good about your life? Share what you think, what what you're grateful for, and they can share what they're grateful for. And there are a million well, maybe not. I don't know. I would guess a million, at least self-calming videos on YouTube. Just find some. They're not all good. They're not, or at least they don't all fit for your personality, but find the ones that do, or, you know, just give them some links to some, and you can maybe look at them together and see what you think about them and be kind to each other as you practice new ways of being, because you're going to be trying to be a different parent as you're navigating anxiety with them. And they're trying to navigate it too. And they're trying to find ways that work for them. And so whenever we're trying new things, it gets kind of messy and we're not always going to be a hundred percent on it. And that's okay. And we're going to give each other grace for that. If you don't, I'm going to get rid of my picture there for a second. So if you decide not to do anything about anxiety, there's it's probably not going to have a good outcome. They're going to continue or start to have an inability to focus on things because they're going to be so, so anxious that they stop their brain. When your brain is in anxiety mode, you're not learning or thinking well. And so then they're academic performance is going to go down. Their relationships are going to suffer because people don't like to have to deal with someone who's anxious all the time. Or if they are withdrawing from people, it's obviously going to affect their relationships. And as I told in my story, it can turn into suicide ideation. So be really careful about that. So I would love to connect with you. I am a teen anxiety coach, and I have a podcast and a YouTube channel for teens who have anxiety. So you can find me there, but you can find me with Cynthia Kofel Coaching, and I have a website, and there's ways to contact me there. Um, there's an Instagram link here, a Facebook link, and when you go to my social media, you can find my YouTube. And But if you look up Cynthia Kofel Coaching or the Teen Anxiety Maze, you'll be able to find find me on all of those platforms. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope I get to talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Teen Anxiety Maze. I would love to be your anxiety coach. Just check out my website or social media and send me a message.